0: Church is what god is doing and when we think about unity and unity is kind of a a buzzword right it's kind of something that that people throw around is something that we want or desire whether it's political or cultural or societal or even within the church and in a time of this past year it's become all too apparent how disunified so much of our society is And I'm not here to tell you that we're going to do X, Y, and Z to bring unity. I'm not here to tell you that we're starting some sort of new campaign or initiative or strategy to achieve unity. But I am thinking a lot about a year ago, because a year ago was our first online-only service. It was the first, basically the first Sunday where we did not have anyone in the space here together physically. Now, there were times in our seven years where I wondered if anyone was going to show up. But this is the first time where we told people explicitly not to come. And I went back and I watched it, and it is rough. It is rough technically, uh, because I was doing all of the technical stuff, and we've had some great and very accomplished people step up and help us with putting together the online uh, stream there. It was also really naive. You remember a year ago? You remember how naive we were? You remember thinking that this is gonna be a short-term thing? I remember the, the unknown. There's so much we didn't know a year ago. And I also remember at the start, there was a kind of collective unity. There was kind of a sense like we're going to come together and we're going to get through this. But that didn't last very long. Think back to a year ago. What did it feel like at the start of this? Was there fear? Were you overwhelmed when you figured out your kids couldn't go to school and you still had to work? Were you overwhelmed thinking the place I work at is now closed? And I don't know how I'm gonna feed my family or maybe you were looking for work at that time or 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 Maybe you were you were struggling with mental health to begin with and the thought of being isolated and cut off from people And that anxiety was very real Think back to a year ago and how that felt also think back to a year ago and take inventory of the relationships you had a year ago And compare them to the relationships you have now or the quality of those relationships you have now How have they changed? How have they strengthened? How have they weakened? How are they absent? And what is new? Now life happens and relationships change, and that's of course natural. And we also know far too well that loved ones pass, and we grieve that loss. But I think we also should grieve those that are lost relationally. They're still living, they're still maybe in your life, but the there's distance now. There's static. In the past year, I know that I've played a role in, in some of my relationships changing for the negative. In some cases, I've pulled back because I didn't have anything to give. In other cases, I have said or done things and didn't communicate well that implied something I didn't intend but was definitely there on the receiving end. Things that, that made people feel judged or, or pushed away or implying that they weren't welcome to be part of this church. Of course, that wasn't my intention but that's how sometimes it was received. The decisions I've made in this last year, I am the first to be critical of. The wrong decisions were made. Decisions that were made that were the best at the time. Decisions that are still were made, they're still unknown of what was right and what was wrong. But understand this, that that understand this that when I think about the ways in which our community has changed, there's some grieving. When I think about the relationships in my life that are gone, there is some grieving. And I own my part in this. And of course, none of us are perfect. But I also see in the last year, I've seen how there's been some relationships that have strengthened. There's been been a depth and a richness I didn't know was there. And I I think about this on a macro scale for us as a church. In some ways, in many ways, we are stronger than we've ever been as a church. I, I know for a fact there are people who have come to movement and only know movement virtually. Only know movement online have never met me face to face But are calling movement home. I know that there are people in this room right now that a year ago You would not heard of us. We're not part of this church We've seen people take steps of faith We've seen people put their faith in action and movement has always been a generous church financially with their time But that's only increased in the last year In this last year there there are people Who have stepped up and there are people who have stepped away But we are still here, which means that God is not done with us Which means that there is still more going on not for us to do but for God to use us in living out God is not done with us, but none of this matters Unless we are following jesus None of this matters unless we are following jesus and I understand that my role as your pastor Is that if i'm not following jesus then you shouldn't follow me And I know this, that part of my following Jesus was to sit in the Gospel of John this year. From New Year's to Easter, we are going to go through the Gospel of John, a gospel that asks over and over and over again, do you believe? And in the Gospel of John, we see this story playing out. And here in chapter 17, we read about the necessity of unity. Which brings up the question, how do you do that? How do you are unified? Last week, our friend Cody Delk was up here. And he took us through John 13, which is the beginning of the upper room scene. This is where Jesus washes feet. This is where Jesus serves the Last Supper, that first communion. This is also where Jesus speaks of unity. And what we see in John is that those first, those first 10, 11, 12 chapters fast-paced jesus is healing and performing miracles he's on the move with his teaching and then it slows down and it's almost like we get to eavesdrop on private conversations we see the conversations that jesus is having that passover meal that thursday night with his 12 disciples as he performs the most menial task of washing feet and then starting in chapter 14 we get something that could be called a farewell In terms of genre and other ancient literature, this is literally known as a farewell address. The original hearers or readers of John's gospel would immediately know before they got to the end that this was wrapping up. That this story of Jesus was wrapping up. And so now they're going to be paying attention. Now they're going to be leaning in. It's like if you're watching a movie. And you know that character is not long. You know that this movie's about over. And you are look, you're leaning in. What's this going to do? How are they going to resolve this story? You're leaning in here in John saying, what is Jesus going to say? What are his last words? What are his final instructions? Now, this is a farewell address to his disciples. This is a farewell address to his disciples. And so in this address, in these three chapters, we see some big themes that are no surprise to us as we have gone through John as a whole. Uh, we see the ways in which he talks about how he and the Father are one. They are unified. That he is, he is with God. He is in God. Uh, we see the ways in which these play out. We also see some things that, that, are, un, that are, are surprising, that, that are unique for John. Uh, we see some things that Jesus hasn't really touched on very much. He says explicitly that we, us, believers, will have trouble in the world. That we are guaranteed Hardship and he ends John chapter 17 With a prayer. He goes from giving final instructions to a prayer and John chapter 17 What we see is Jesus is praying for us Jesus is praying for us He ends His ministry He ends his ministry to the disciples by not entrusting the work to these twelve or these eleven because judas has already fled, Or fled, He does this by entrusting the ministry entrusting the work to god not, not to a plan not to a strategy not to these eleven disciples and leaders. He does this by entrusting The future to god. Let's pick this back up in chapter 17 starting in verse 13 In john chapter 17 verse 13 Jesus says this I am coming to you now But I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them I have given them your word and the world has hated them For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but you would protect them from the evil one They are not of the world even as I am not of it Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world for them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified My prayer is not for them alone I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message hear that I pray for those who will believe for me because of their message. That's us That all may, be, all of them may be one Father just as you are in me and I am in you may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me i have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one i and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me now in this prayer jesus is turning over the future to the father He is turning over. He's entrusting the Father to accomplish this unity. And this unity that the Father and Jesus have, that that the Father and the Son have, we are invited into that. We are invited in. We are given an invitation to join in this holy unity. We are invited to join this family. See, we are not unified in what we achieve or what we avoid. We do not find unity there. We do not find a unity in, in simply... Being right We find unity in the relationship to the father that is given to us We are afforded that option through what Jesus has done. We are able to connect with God We are able to restore that relationship with God the divine the creator of everything Because of what Jesus has done We are brought into the family. We are given that invitation Okay, but practically What does unity look like? What is unity about can we disagree? Can we confront? Can we challenge one another? Can we be unified and not together? Before we jump into the universals and and figure out how we get the global church to come together and, and remove all the divisions that we see, let's talk about the personal level. How do you find unity with another follower of Jesus whom you disagree with? When you don't like them. When you can't stand to be in the same room as them. When they aren't helping you follow Jesus. How do we follow Jesus? How do we be unified with his other kids, our brothers and sisters? To do that, let me tell you about three dogs, because that's fun to do, right? Here's an analogy for you. There's three dogs that I interact with in my neighborhood. The first is next door. The first is a dog named Luca. Now, Luca, if you go outside, if you step on your front porch, and Luca can see you. From inside his house, behind that screen door, behind that glass window, he will freak out. He will bark and snarl at you like a madman, right? He will, he will, it's just nonstop. But as soon as the door is open, as soon as he is let out, I can be holding a raw T-bone steak. He will not come to me. He is frightened of other people and other dogs. He will bark like crazy behind the glass. But as soon as he sees face to face, he's got nothing to do with us. There's another dog named Butch. I'm calling him Butch because I don't know the dog's name because I've never gotten that close to this dog. Now, this dog Butch will bark at you behind the glass. But this dog Butch, when he's on a walk with his owners, you'll go up to him like anyone would, or at least I would, go to talk to a dog and kind of hold out your hand. The owner kind of pulls back the dog and says, no, you don't want to do that. Because that dog's showing teeth, he's growling, he's sending a message. This is a dog who will bark like a madman and bite your hand off face to face let me tell you about a third dog my dog i got a dog and if you follow my wife on instagram you've seen pictures right <laughs> she's about 4 months old her name is rosie she's a she's a schnauzer lab mix and i am her favorite and that's the rule that's the honest truth right and rosie has enough lab disposition that she will not bark in anger at people that she sees through the glass She will not bark and anger and snarl people face to face. She will do anything To get affection from somebody She will run across the street to see a neighbor not worried about whether there's cars out She will run through anything. She will do whatever it takes just to be with somebody She will do anything to get affection and affirmation I think sometimes we go through life. We see lucas we see lucas that when there's distance when they're they can not get to us when they can't talk to us when they can hide behind the anonymity of a keyboard where they can hide behind the anonymity of gossip with someone else they say the worst most harsh things but when they're face to face they got nothing we also see some butches in our lives don't we people that will say it behind our backs and to our face and you don't want to be around them and then you got rosies who are just there for the party They just want to be loved. They just want to experience love. They want everyone to get along. And oftentimes, we take those three paradigms, right? And we say, this is where we get with unity. Either we've got to to -to face-to-face avoid conflict and be passive-aggressive like Luca, or we've got to be super aggressive and confront and challenge like Butch, or we just got to all get along and do whatever it takes to smooth things over and throw a big party. All of these types want unity and none of them will get it all of these types of people want unity want relationship want community because that's hardwired into all of us but they will not get it because that's not what unity is about last week cody was up here preaching and he talked about something jesus said in john chapter 13 i want to read it to you again jesus says a new command i give you love one another As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Leave that up there for a second. Go back. Thank you. A new command I give you. A new command. Cody pointed out, this is not necessarily a new command. There's, in the Bible, love one another. We see the golden rule, essentially, in the Old Testament and the new. What's new about this is what it's based on, what it's rooted in. A new command I give you. Love as I have loved you. As I have loved you. This is not the golden rule. This is the platinum rule. This is this is somehow beyond gold This is something. This is the Bitcoin rule. I don't know whatever that's at right like like this is more than gold This is something more valuable more precious Love not as you want to be treated Love not as you would like to be loved loved as Jesus loved what does that example like, look like? What does this look like? Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Paul says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. In verse 21, he says this. He says this about relationships. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. you want some marriage advice? He you want some relationship advice? Submit to one another. He goes on he says this about husbands fellas. This is a huge challenge We get sidetracked on what he says to wives and miss the bigger challenge that's given to husbands verse 25 husbands love your wives How just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her Paul makes it so clear, right? He says love your wives as Christ loved the church. And if you forget how that looked There's a cross And there was an execution how do you find unity? You find unity in the love of God. You find unity in the love of God. If you want the message of Jesus to go forward, you should want to be unified. And if you want to be unified, you should embrace the love of Jesus. And if you embrace the love of Jesus, your life should be about dying about sacrifice, about giving of yourself, about emptying of yourself, of a race to the back of the line, of a competition to outserve, a competition to give. Because unity is not achieved by something that we do. Unity cannot be achieved by, by how we get things done or how we prove our point. See, remember this prayer in John 17 Jesus entrusts the work not to me, not to you, not to the disciples, but to God. This unity can only be accomplished through his work. See, because we typically think this, I think the larger church thinks this, that we equate unity with everyone agreeing with us. We equate unity by saying, I'm over here and I'm right, so you gotta come over here and join me, right? Uh, this, this is what unity is you got to come over here and be with me and here's the truth We all think that we're all right about all the things that we think more or less right We all think that we have arrived at a right position about all the things Just like all of us think that we're above average drivers, right? The law of math says that's not possible And the law of god says that you and I are not Right You and I are not right about things. You and I haven't figured everything out. You and I are not able to understand the fullness of God. And yet God comes to us. See, unity, unity in God's eyes has nothing to do with being right or wrong. In fact, God's unity assumes that you're in the wrong. God's unity says, I have to do this for my children. I have to give them a framework give them an ability give them a way that they can come together See god's unity assumes that we are wrong about pretty much everything Because god's unity has nothing to do with being right or wrong. It has to do with family It has to do with family Maybe you got a brother or sister and You guys can go round and round about the most mundane silly trivial things But you still love them You still show up for them You've got family If they weren't family, I don't know if I'd hang out with them You give them a hug when you see them God creates this family He invites us to become part of the family He invites us to change our identity where it's not tied to right or wrong It's not tied to what we've done It's not tied to earning something or doing all the right things or avoiding all the wrong things He invites us in to be a part of a family. He invites us in to experience a new identity to say, We are now a son, a daughter of the king. And everything that we have gotten wrong doesn't matter because if we are experiencing God's love, if we are part of the the unity, the love of God, we can experience that family. See, you can be a family member and be wrong. You can be wrong in this family. It's called sin. You can be wrong in this family of God. In fact, it's a given. In fact, it's a given. Unity is being okay with that. You can be wrong in this family. Unity is being okay with that. Because if you're okay with that, what you're saying is, I am choosing to love, I am choosing to serve, I am choosing to submit To what god is up to It doesn't mean we don't talk about hard things. It doesn't mean we don't confront and challenge well in love But that we see first and foremost that god's unity Is knitting us together in a new family based on love not on what we've done But based on what god has done this ultimate love of jesus going to the cross dying and being resurrected you serve you sacrifice You celebrate with your brothers and sisters and you mourn with your brothers and sisters You get baptized. What I love about baptism is this: it's it's a it's a it's a moment where we get to symbolize, we get to recreate the fact that that we are being cleansed by the forgiving love of Jesus Christ. Yes, and amen to that. It symbolizes this idea that that we are we are buried in our sins and we are raised to new life for eternity. Yes, and amen to that. But it also says this: we are a new creation. We are a new person. We have entered into a family. It's this rite of passage of sorts where we are saying, I am a part of a new family. A new family based on love. So if you want to be unified, if you want to experience unity, we must experience the Father. We experience the Father through the Son. We serve. We sacrifice. We join in community with other believers. You tell your story, and you take steps and following Jesus because unity is something that only God can do and guess what that's a good thing let's pray father if you left unity up to me and us we'd be hopeless we'd be hopeless because we can't get out of our own way I know I can't We say the wrong thing we do the wrong thing we communicate the wrong thing in our words and our actions and our inactions and our Silence Yet god you are knitting together a new family You are knitting together a new family Where our identities are not based on what we've done what we think what we Where we're right or where we're wrong Is based solely on whether or not we have said yes to you? Your unity that you are proposing is impossible for us to achieve, which is why your son entrusted it to you. So, Father, help us to entrust unity to you. Help us to embrace this life of love where we have said yes to Jesus, and now, man, we're we're ready to go. We're ready to get to the back of the line. We're ready to serve. We're ready to sacrifice We're ready to participate in this new family that you've called us to we, we are going to take steps to remind ourselves all the time that that we are a son. We are a daughter of you father We will repent We will ask for forgiveness of the things that we have gotten wrong clearly We will repent of the self-destructive behaviors. We will repent of the habits of, of brokenness and we will repent the next day and the next day. And you will forgive the next day and the next day and the next day. We tell our story. We tell our story of unity, not because we all agree, but because we're a part of the same family. Remind us of this, Father. And press it upon our hearts. And never let us forget it. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen.